When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Auburn Live podcast, your home for bold, insightful, and honest conversations around Auburn athletics. Where you go? All right, got the whole crew back again. Welcome into the Auburn Live show, the Modcast edition. Jeffrey Lee, Cole Pinkston, Keith Niebuhr. I am Justin Hokinson. Appreciate everybody for joining us as we get ready for Auburn and San Jose State, game two. Um, of the uh, of the season, Auburn beats Mercer last week, 42 to 16. Um, no surprise there. Auburn's a three touchdown favorite against San Jose State this weekend. So we'll talk about last week, this week, and everything in between with the Auburn Live crew. Kind of go around the horn. How's everybody doing? Jeffrey, what's up? Hey, man. how are you doing? Good man, making it, making it. Are you cold and busy traveling? Oh yeah, yeah. Been on the road a little bit, enjoying that, uh, getting to know some folks and. You know, trying to figure out what's going on with Auburn recruiting. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. Keith, yeah, what's I'm happening? Yeah, I'm hanging in there. I'm, I may, you know, there's been people complaining that they don't get to see me on video, so I may click it over to the cam at some point during the show. I just don't need everybody seeing me, you know, cutting my fingernails and toenails and all that stuff while you guys are talking. You no, know? Nah, we're, we're good, dude. You're good. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to scare <laughs> everyone that window into my disgusting and pathetic world. <laughs> Man. Uh, anyways, so. no. um, all right. Let's talk about last week a little bit. Um, 42, 16 Auburn over Mercer. Um, we'll just kind of go around the horn here. Um, start with you, Jeffrey. Any uh, big glaring thoughts from the, the game? Good, bad, anything in between? Sure. I will start with the two-quarterback system. I have been vocal about not being a fan of the two-quarterback system because traditionally for Auburn, it does not work. I don't like it. It doesn't work. Yeah. I'm okay with it when it works, right? And it to me, it worked against Mercer. I thought Robbie Asher was a huge change of pace guy. I think his wheels, and we talked about this earlier on one of the other shows, but I think maybe it was Jay. I didn't realize he was that fast. Yeah, he's he's really fast. He is sprinter speed fast, and I was impressed with his wheels. <clears throat> Still not a firm believer in his accuracy when it comes to throwing, which is why, or, or maybe his understanding of the offense and checkdowns and stuff like that. I, I, I don't know. So maybe I understand a little bit of why T.J. Finley's still there. But we talked about this last week on the Modcast. My opinion on T.J. Finley was not losing the game, Keith, and. Two interceptions against an SEC opponent will put you in position to lose the game. You can't do that. That's Aubrey cannot have that from TJ Finley. Take those two touchdowns away. I mean, take those two interceptions away, and he played. That's what you need from TJ Finley. I thought all in all, the quarterbacks, uh, the quarterback combined, I think it was 13 for 21. So basically, two out of every three passes, touchdown. I think Robbie rushed for almost 80 or around 80 yards. So uh, you get those numbers from the quarterback position minus the two picks. 
and you can win some ball games this year. SEC games. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know the two-quarterback system. Here's what confuses me, and Cole and Keith, you may have opinions on this, and Jeffrey too, but, you know, Harson said this week that he has no problem playing multiple quarterbacks. He views the quarterback just like any other position, right? Like, I thought that was interesting, yeah. And I, look, Brian Harson played quarterback in college. He's an offensive coordinator. He's a lot smarter than I am when it comes to offense and playing the position. I, that just – that's hard for me to, to understand, I guess. I mean, there's a reason why the two-quarterback system, there's a reason why that's difficult, and it's always been difficult to, to manage two quarterbacks and to win. There's a reason why everybody doesn't do it, and it's interesting to hear him talk about, like, hey, I'm going to play. If it's two, that's fine. And we'll, you know, like it's no big deal. Um, I, just, I just don't – I don't know if I believe that. And another thing he said was, if you have two good good players, you play them both. Well, I'm not sure I would classify T.J. Finley and Robbie Ashford as two really good quarterbacks, and you can just play either one. I don't think that's where they're at. I think they have two average quarterbacks that, that are incomplete in who they are, and you're trying to figure out what the best fit is. And that, to me, is a recipe for – not I'd say disaster, but if you have two good quarterbacks that are kind of complete package, cool. But I don't think that's what you have, and they're trying to, I think, fit this thing together, and that's what that's what worries me. The the incomplete the incomplete part of each the other is trying to to fill in for like uh, Robbie's inaccuracy, Robbie's lack of understanding the offense, or at least you know that's what we presume is what TJ does well, or as presume presumably does well. Uh, TJ doesn't run well. He doesn't move well. And, and that's why you bring in at, at Robbie for that. So they kind of uh, complement each other in that aspect, but you don't have one that can do both. And I, and I hear you. That's, that's, that's kind of uh, – it's not like you have two guys that are complete packages and you're just trying to figure out which one's going to be able to lead this team better. You've got two guys that are really incomplete in that. And you're trying to – Substitute one for the other. That makes any sense. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, the thing is, if if those guys don't have – if you don't have complete guys – and look, it remains to be seen. Robbie could become – of the two, Robbie has the most ability to become more complete, right? Because Uh, he's not running anywhere. Exactly. (laughs) But right now they are what they are, and, 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 you know, um, and so as a defense – we're not going to see it so much this week, but – if you're Penn State, LSU, you know Arkansas, Georgia, those schools, and, and, and if there is a two-platoon system or a two-QB system and you know what one can do and one can't do, makes it a lot easier on the defense. It really does. I mean, you know, so, you know, it's not like it's, it's two – you're right. It's not two complete products out there. Now, again, in four or five weeks, we may be saying Robbie is the complete – product and, and and you know obviously he's got a, a big arm otherwise he wouldn't be at this level but for whatever reason the completion percentages and and practices and games hasn't been extremely high but he's he's got all the tools and you know and uh all that stuff but again it, it doesn't it doesn't seem ideal now maybe this is just a psychological thing i mean i've, I've thought about this where brian harson's kind of just saying that to keep those guys both mentally ready like, hey, I've got two good guys. I've got two guys that can play. I'll play them both if I need to, if we have to. So 
maybe it's there's a little bit of that involved too if, if you get my drift like he's just trying to keep them both keep their eyes on the prize keep them both focused uh, because as one guy ultimately becomes the guy the other guy you always have to worry not worry but you always have to make sure they're remaining focused and ready at all times right whereas if you go yep. into the season know you know when you're the number two you've already in your head you've already decided okay I'm the number two I got to do what I got to do but if, if two guys are battling back and forth and one guy doesn't emerge you know two three games into the season mentally he may not be right where he needs to be at that time to always be ready so I, I don't know if that makes any sense but I think maybe there's some head games being played by Brian as well just to keep these guys sharp I, I let me say this I was I was saying you know Robbie presumably is in, in is not as consistent a passer as TJ and maybe not know the offense as well as TJ. The reason I say that is because if he did, he would be the starter, right? Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. If, if, if Robbie was as consistent a passer as TJ, if he, if he knows the offense as well as TJ, he's hands down Auburn's best option. Not, it's not even close. So yeah. I, I, that's why I presume that Robbie is in a, a little bit more inaccurate and a little less knowledgeable when it comes to the offense. Well, I think and Justin, well, you make a great point, Jeff. And Justin had, I think, had a lot of the numbers from fall camp, right? I mean, you, you, yes. And, and that backed that up, right? Yeah, no, there's no question. That's very, it's a fair analysis of, uh, of, of Robbie. I mean, if his completion percentage was better and his, and his, and his understanding of operating the offense was on par with TJ's, He's a far better athlete, and he brings more to the table in terms of creativity and big playmaking ability from that position. Yeah, I mean, I think it would have been a different, a different story. And so we got to see Ashford develop. We got to see him develop in that. I mean, even the game. Look, he hit the deep ball. That's cool. He was four of seven. Um, he threw a third. And, he threw a third down out route at, at, at Tavares Dawson's feet that, that Dawson caught, but there was no run after the catch because it wasn't an accurate pass. The defensive pass interference ball to uh, Dawson deep down the field, Shed Jackson ran about a 15-yard out route and is just uncovered. Just nobody – he probably could have scored on the play. And it was one of those deals where I think Ashford already had made up his mind he was going to launch it deep. So, I mean, there was things, like he, just little things that even in, in his few reps, a few passing reps that he's got to improve on, you start to think about if he's called on to throw the ball 25 times at Georgia, what happens? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I want to see that right now. Um, so they gotta, they gotta figure out what a good balance is. And the other question I'm kind of curious about is TJ Finley wins the battle, right? Gets the graphic made, right? Gets talked about, gets brought in in front of the media, gets put on tiger talk, goes out in his first start, those two picks. And then this past week, reps have changed. I'm just telling you, like Ashford got a little more reps this week than he did last week. So where's T.J. Finley's head at? I mean, where is his head at in terms of winning the job and then throwing two picks and now going, I'm right back in a quarterback battle. I mean, I'm right back in it. Um, and that's certainly how, it, how he feels. I mean, where is his head at? Is he going to try to press uh, against San Jose State? Is he going to get out of sort of his comfort zone and make more mistakes? Is he going to accept the challenge? I mean, so now you've got T.J. Finley that you've got to wonder where he's at and, and, and how he's going to play going into this week. So it's just – to me, there's just a lot of dynamics going on. I mean, it's and a Zach huge Calzada sitting there going, I mean, he, Zach Calzada hasn't been bad. He's going, am I going to get a chance? He's trying to keep mentally prepared, and 
if you're Auburn, like, when do, do you even consider giving him a shot? Like, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting week and interesting Saturday, I think. I, I yeah. still think that position's a huge concern. I, yeah, I, I do too. I think get this all sorted out. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. What's up? What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I'm, I think it's a big concern, too, both ways, because of what you pointed out about Robbie making some throws that weren't great. Yeah, he hit the deep ball, and I've said that a few times, that that was big, and, and that really further complicates things, I think, for Brian Harson, for Eric Keesaw, whoever's making the decision at quarterback, because he does bring the other element, and, and, and you have to really take that into account, and T.J. Finley certainly hurt his chances – of having all those practice reps with those two interceptions. And, and, and really it was just how they just were bad. They were bad interceptions. If they were more like, uh, okay, the ball was tipped and this guy made a play on the ball, it'd be different. But it was – he didn't read the coverage well. He threw it into triple coverage, whatever, that kind of thing. It's hard to overcome that. And, and now you got to go, well, I don't know, maybe Robbie's the better – maybe he's the better option here. And that's why you give him more at practice. That's why you, I don't know, you may see him get a drive earlier in this game with San Jose State. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, they got to figure out ways to score, right? And so which guy gives you the better, the better chance for the big play? Well, right now it looks like Robbie. There may be an inflection point where Robbie passes him, even if his, uh, even if his throwing doesn't, even if he doesn't get over 60% completion. He, because they may just say, this guy can get, get – it's so hard to go 80 yards in 17 plays. And this guy gives Auburn maybe the big play potential that the other yeah. guy might not have. I mean, they may just have to say, listen, maybe he's only completing 55, 56, 57% of his passes, but everything else he does elevates the offense, kind of like Nick Marshall, quite frankly, who I don't think yeah. Nick Marshall that first year, I mean, God, he sometimes he couldn't hit the broad side of a barn, right? Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah, right. When he did. And then that safety had to account for his running ability, right, Cole? I mean, they had to yeah. always account for that, which then gave him more. Look, you're not, you're not having to account for T.J. Finley's running. And so when he's back there, uh, that, that they, they can drop more guys, right, Cole? I mean, you're the football guy. you got to explain this. But when, jo when, when uh, I mean, obviously, Joe, uh, Joey, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> I'm thinking of Gatewood, obviously, Robbie, it, you know, him being in there, they got to account for, and they're probably going to get more man coverage down the field. Am I right, Cole? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, and, and, and for the record, I'm not saying there should be a change or anything like that right now. You've had one game. Uh, I think, you know, we said on the live show the other night, they're going to make adjustments to Robbie Ashford's package that he has. They're going to see, okay, when he comes in the game, they're probably going to run the read option. San Jose State's already studied that they'll probably have a better plan for it that Mercer didn't have because there was absolutely no film on Robbie Ashford before that game. So adjustments will be made. Does Robbie still have the, you know, the impact that he had in game one running the read option or do they let him have a drive and see how he manages the offense? I, I just, you know, I don't know. I, I think they may, if he gets more, if he's gotten more reps in practice, I think he gets more, you know, more play in the game. That's just my guess. Yeah, Keith, you brought up something that I think is an interesting point in that I, I, don't, I don't know. I've thought about it for the last couple of weeks, and I don't know, I don't know where Brian Harson and Eric Kiesel's head at, and that is the, the, the choice between Robbie Ashford, who's clearly a more dynamic athlete. If you said who gives you a chance um, to score points right now, 
you know, Ashford might be in that in that discussion. We'll see. Let's get through another week. Or the guy that operates better, operates better, and TJ Finley. I know how much Harson values operation, every little thing um, that goes into being a quarterback. And he thinks TJ does a lot of those things well. I don't know where Robbie's at with a lot of that stuff. And so it could come to a point where him and Eric Kiesel have got to decide, you know, okay, you know, does he, is he the best operator? Ah, we're going we're to have to just sort of deal with that um, and, and just hope that his legs can bail us out of situations and create opportunities because, you know, I don't know that that offense has got – I mean, if T.J. Finley's the guy and you're operating at, you know, perfection, that's fine. But, man, there's not much room for air with him at quarterback and the no. receivers that you have in tank. There's just not – you've got to really, really operate at a high uh, efficiency. Um, and if you don't, what happens? Robbie gives you, I think, a margin of error, but he's going to give up some things in some other areas. So it's just an interesting discussion on where – on which direction they go. And, and if they keep trying to balance the two, I'm just not sure. I'm curious to see how it goes this week. And I look, I think it's going to go into Penn state. I mean, I, I think somebody's going to start Penn state, but I don't, I don't think this thing's going to be settled. And we talked about it in the, in the off season. Like we, we talked, we said that, that this could, somebody was going to be named a starter, but this thing was going to go into Penn state. I thought, um, and I don't think anything's going to be settled by Penn state. I think somebody's going to start Penn state, but they're both probably still going to play. And it might take games against that kind of competition to sort of figure this thing out more. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting. I mean, again, you're going to have to figure out if if TJ's the the guy that is supposed to be the better operator of the offense, but yet has two interceptions in only X amount of yeah. completions uh, versus a guy maybe only completing 55% of his passes, but he gets you the home threat as a runner and passer. I mean. I think I can see where this is heading if EJ can't clean some things up. Right. And they may have just been a couple bad throws, but a couple bad throws loses you SEC games. Yeah. And not to say Robbie couldn't have bad – look, Robbie's going to have bad moments too, but, I mean, this was Robbie's – I mean, y'all know more about this than I do because I'm just from the recruiting – coming from the recruiting standpoint, but Robbie didn't have a lot of game experience coming into this thing, did he? I mean, so you would think – He didn't play none. He didn't play zero. Well, there you go. So you would – I mean, that that was also his first time out there. I mean, that first to second game to third game should be just an incredible amount of growth for him. Doesn't mean the statistics will be better, but just the game – things slowing down for him uh, with 90,000 or 85,000 fans surrounding the field, you know. All that stuff, just being able to digest things, to be able to take deep breaths and 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 see things a little bit better. He's probably going to get better at that. We have a much now we don't have a huge sample size for TJ, but we got a much larger sample size with him than than with uh, with Robbie. So I, I you know I, I don't know. I mean, we just haven't seen that game yet for T. You would have liked to see. And granted, you don't want to read too much into those games because your focus isn't against Mercer. I know it's the first game of the year, but your focus still isn't where it would be like against the Penn State. So. You don't want to read into it too much, but you, we still haven't seen that game, TJ, where he just goes out and throws for 277, three TDs. You know, where, where is that flawless game, you know? doesn't uh, exist. That's what yeah. I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't, you know, and that's okay, too. That's Sometimes you got to play with – you're playing – not sometimes, all the time. You're playing with what the hand is that you've been dealt, but um, but you'd like to see that out of TJ. You'd like to see him make that big progression and have that just – terrific game that opens your eyes a little bit. We just haven't seen it yet. Um, 
real quick before we uh before we keep going um want to transition real quick give a give a plug to a, a new sponsor of the show um prize picks um i'll let jeffrey sort of talk about what they're going to be doing and, and what they do and their involvement with the show but prize picks new sponsor of the show yeah, prospects. Pretty cool, dude. I, I never heard of it before, and uh, I wish I had because it's it's pretty cool. <clears throat> if you are not familiar with it, it's the uh, it's a, prospects is simp- simplest form of real money daily fantasy sports, and just pits you against the numbers, not against other people, man. So uh, whether you're a fantasy sports nut, which is becoming a a pretty regular deal now, everybody loves the fantasy uh, fantasy sports, including myself. The minor tiger is undefeated. No, I'm not really in our fantasy football. I think that's long gone. <laughs> but anyways, uh, but anyways, prospects gives you the uh, the perfect opportunity to to uh, to play, and it's pretty cool when it comes to college football. They've got major league baseball, NFL, you name it, NBA, whatever you want to play. Um, and it's uh, you simply select two to five players and predict that they will go more or less than the prospect picks proje- projection. You can win ten times your money on any entry. And special time right now, a special promotion. If you go sign up at Prize Picks and you use the promo code War Eagle, all caps, one word, War Eagle, they will match any deposit up to $100. So if you put in 50, they'll give you 50. If you put in 100, they'll give you 100. This week, man, they've got uh, now. I'm sure the Auburn, uh, the Auburn flavor will grow more and more with opponents. But this week they've got Tank Bigsby, um, more or less than 111.5 rushing yards, fellas. How many did he have last week? Anybody know offhand? 147. So, Prospects has got his more or less at 111.5, which is a pretty good number. So, that's something we'll talk about. But if you haven't uh, already, man, go sign up with Prospects. Use the promo code War Eagle, all caps, one word, War Eagle. They will match 100% deposit up to $100 and start playing. We appreciate Prospects for uh, for being a part of the show. So. I thought that would be interesting. A little talking point, fellas. Tank Bigsby had 147. He looked he looked the closest to freshman Tank Bigsby on last weekend. I'm telling you, Keith and I were not impressed with Tank Bigsby last year. Keith, if I'm saying that wrong. Yeah, yeah. Hey, let me hold on. Don't throw me out there like that. Yeah. <laughs> You're going down with me, baby. No, I mean, no, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I... I mean, not unimpressed, but just not, yeah. not like we expected more out of him, basically. Yeah. Right? He, he was above average, yeah. you know, back. He wasn't where are the big special. plays? Where are the right. huge, huge plays? And we haven't seen those. Yeah, yeah. and we we got to see some of that speed with some of that shiftiness. I thought he looked the, the closest to a freshman tank. He looked, To me, he looked smaller or, or more. I don't know what it was. He looked more like a uh, like giant helmet. Is that what it was? Is that what it was? He has a he new, got, no, I agree with you. He has a new helmet. He's wearing a new helmet this year, and I thought the same thing. I'm like, why? Because I'm just telling you, I saw him this summer. He's not smaller. Um, no, yeah, right. So he's got this new helmet. I think I think the helmet's like a little bit bigger, and it makes his it makes his body look smaller. That's my that's my opinion. Anyway. Yeah, somebody described him to me as being a guy. And this is a college coach. They said he's a great athlete playing running back. They didn't say he was a great running back. This was uh, probably six months ago. I, th- I think that's spot on. Yeah, so he, so the next step for him, if he wants to be a high-round pick, you know, Justin Cole, Jeff, he's got to become a, a great running back, not just a great athlete playing Interesting. I, I, I totally they, agree. Yeah, and I think what they mean, and, and you guys are much more football savvy than me, but, you know, 
that whole thing about cutting outside when they want him to go inside, you know, things like that, little things, yes. you know, what makes a great running back. And uh, he's still developing. I mean, look, it's only his third year. It wasn't that long ago when all of us were kids and, and Cole and Justin are younger than you and me, Jeff. But a lot of times a guy didn't even start till his third year, right? Wasn't expected to. Yeah, redshirt, redshirt junior years when, remember, FSU for all those years, you didn't become the starting quarterback on a great FSU team until you were at least a redshirt junior. So it was commonplace. So at, at the end of the day, he's still a fairly young guy, still in his third year. But you want to see him take, you want to see him take that next step. You want to see him hit the holes that, that are there for him. Um, and and I, I do know that there was probably some frustration on the offensive line last season yeah. uh, that, because they, get, they catch the brunt of all the hell from fans, that offensive line. And many times, and Cole, I read your analysis, many times there were holes there one way, and he simply went the other way. Yeah. And so he's got to get better at that. It looks like he is getting better at that. I mean, the, the, the athleticism's there. The athleticism is certainly there. He's a hell of an athlete, no doubt. Justin, Justin do you think 111.5 for Tank against San Jose State? Um, and Cole, these, this would be a good question for you guys. I'll throw my, my, my two cents in as well. 111.5, Cole, what are you taking more or less for Tank Bigsby this weekend? Uh, for I would have said more. But the way that they used Jarquez Hunter a good bit early on, I would say that's pretty close. I'm going to go more just because I think he, he probably will, you know, 120, 125, somewhere in that range. Um, but it's going to be close, I think. I think that's a really good, um, you know, prediction. Well, the other thing is, I mean, he had, a, he had 147 yards against Mercer. He broke mm-hmm. God knows how many tackles um, in, yeah, in a that lot. game. And so – um, not that he, you know, breaking tackles is kind of what he does, but, uh, you know, a couple, of course, he also had that long run called back. So gosh, what would his total have been if uh, that holding call on Troxel isn't, I mean, he'd have been, he'd have been close to 200 um, yep. in that game. So 111 against San Jose State, I think it's going to be, a, I would, I would think over or more. Um, more I think Robbie actually sort of a, a, an X factor there. If Ashley yeah. gets more playing time, what does that do to to uh, think? But against a team like San Jose State, hard for me not, not to think he he ticks over that. I was trying yeah. to see what San Jose State did last week and against Portland State if it was uh yeah the rushing defense yeah they gave up 125 yards on the ground I total. I mean, is that because they're good, or is that because Portland mm-hmm. State's? They're not. They're so not great. They're not great up front. Up front, San Jose State, but they did keep them out of the end zone. They always, you know, when they got in the red zone, they stopped the run pretty well. Then, from what I could tell, but not great against the run. The, the only reason time. I'm a little hesitant to go more than on 111 is because I think Auburn's going to jump out to an early lead, and they're going to want to get Tank out of there as quickly as possible. Right. Um. I don't think it's going to be as bad as the Mercer spread. I don't even. I think it's a three touchdown instead of the almost five against Mercer. So I think you get Tank in there, you get up a couple of scores, and you turn it over to Jarquez Hunter, Sean Jackson, and maybe the freshman Damari. I'm going to go. You, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Keith. Because yeah, certainly, this is my last thing. You certainly don't want to take any major injuries into Penn State. So you get in there, you take care of San Jose State as quickly as possible, and get the hell out. Yeah, yeah right. a, couple stats, a couple stats. So Keith, I mean, uh, Tank had 115 yards after contact against Mercer, Jeez. and he forced 13 missed tackles. Now I told somebody like, 
that was a big talking point, right? Tank broke 13 tackles. I'm like, well, but is that a great thing? I mean, if he breaks 13 <laughs> tackles against Mercer yeah. and has to get 115 yards after contact, is that awesome? Now, some of those were definitely downfield, but mm-hmm. um, I would I would hope for a little bit cleaner game against a team like Mercer than having to do all that after the after contact. But yeah, go ahead, Keith. Yeah, I'll go in the other direction. I'll say if, if you see him and and uh, and Robbie Ashford on the field at the same time, they got to count for Robbie, right? And I think maybe that that yes. might give that might help tank out a little bit. I think maybe that maybe this is that game we finally see that 60, 70 yard run for him. So I'll just shot in the dark. I'll just say uh, I'll take the over on that for him on the yard. So you're going more. Yeah, I think maybe like 11 carries, 125 yards, something like that. I'm I, so I'm the only one. I'm going less. Well, and here I'm, I'm sort of leaning with Jeffrey now too, because I'm also thinking about the dynamic of, you know, first game was was run heavy, right? Sixty plus percent run. Uh, Ashford threw seven balls. Finley got pulled after the second pick. Do they try to open it up more in week two and say, look, we we need to test Robbie a little bit. We need to test you. Like, let's throw a little bit more. Let's, let's put a little bit it. more on film. Um, yeah. and, and and try to see what these guys can do before Penn State. And I could see it skewing back a little bit and, and trying to get the passing game going because it was, I mean, it was very vanilla against Bursar. Pretty much, I mean, other than that deep ball, it was it as was, it was basic as it could be. And so yeah. I'm wondering if, if the game plan opens up a little bit. Tank still gets his carries, but, but you know, a little bit more passing involved, try to get some rhythm with those guys. If you went to Penn State with Finley and Ashford just kind of no rhythm throwing the football, that's not great. So – that's another, to me, angle of, you know, does does Tank get all the carries or does it, does he get ten or eleven? Is that enough? So I could I could see it being hmm. see it being yeah. less in that regard. Yeah, and by the way, um, on what Keith was saying, you know, about him missing holes, Tank not running the correct, you know, lane or whatever, uh, that play right after they got back from the rain delay where he scored. That was to me a sign of you know a good omen because he hit that hole so hard and then made the cut, and that's something that damn I am that cut right it was excellent and and I'm sure it was wet out there too so you know mm. that makes it even more impressive but um, he hit the hole perfectly on that play and then made the cut and that to me is is something that he I, you know I've been wanting from him more I, I I thought that he's better between the tackles and then make your moves instead of let's bounce it outside and try to outrun somebody. I don't think you're going to get the big plays doing that, not in the SEC, maybe not even against a team like Mercer. you got to do it correctly, which is why I think Damari Austin has risen up because he does things right. He always hits the hole right. He always seems to know what he's doing and have a good feel for it. So that is an important thing that Tank seems to have added. He'll still have his times when he bounces, I'm sure. But if he can be more sound in that way, he's going to see an uptick, I believe. Our man Zach behind the scenes, Zach, our uh, producer, uh, says Portland State is a, is, is also a pass-first squad. Um, yeah. San Jose State held them to about their average, which is 115, 120 yards rushing last season. Um, Portland State averaged almost 300 per game through the air last season. So San Jose State's rush defense held held Portland State to about their average. I mean, Portland State got their mm-hmm. average. So, um, so they're about average. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, Auburn's going to run the ball. It's just whether or not um, Tank busts off some of those runs and goes over 111 or not. Let me ask you guys this. 
assuming Auburn gets the the quarterback situation, or if we took away the quarterback situation, is there anything else from from week one that's uh, either good or bad about this team that you would talk about? I mean, or is it just – I know we focus on quarterback, and obviously it's the most important position on the field. Is that is that literally the difference? I mean, if they just figure that out, is are they – are they going to eight or nine wins? Or even if they figure that out based on what you saw, is there something else out there that you didn't see that you want to see rise up? Like what are, are some other things that stood out outside of the quarterbacks who are like, huh, that, I wasn't expecting that, or that surprised me in week one? Or I was expecting more from maybe the secondary. Yes, that's yeah, exactly what I was going to say, Jeffrey. Nicole, you know more about it than me. I was covering recruiting, so I was kind of in and out. I've kind of caught glimpses. So I've, I've watched about 80% of the game by now. But, but what, the, what I did watch, I wasn't blown away by the secondary. Let's put it, and, and I was expecting that to yeah. be a strong point. Cole, it's you, yeah, it's you really just, it's just a couple plays that stand out from the secondary. Nehemiah Pritchett was, you know, beat on a ball from, I, I think, the Ty James, Georgia transfer guy. And it was underthrown, so he ended up making the play on it. But in a, you know, in a big matchup, that's a completed probably touchdown. So that was huge. And then I go back to Caden Bridges being laid on a switch route. He, he didn't get to it in time. And it was a touchdown. And gave up a touchdown against Mercer. So uh, he's young, guys. I mean, he's, yeah. he's, he's still trying to figure out how he's reading things. And that's all that was. I don't think it's an athleticism thing. He just didn't see it right, and it was too late. And uh, those are some of the growing pains with young safeties and, you know, that kind of thing. So, Nehemiah Pritchett, it's really unexcusable on that one. I'm not sure what happened there. And he had another play that I I can't remember exactly what happened that was sort of, "Eh, you probably should should have made that play. So, that's what I'm – the secondary was kind of the glaring – the other glaring thing to me. Well, Mercer yeah. would Mercer complete or excuse me attempt thirty six passes. Auburn had one sack. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem and, too. You know, now obviously every you know a, a guy isn't sitting back there for eight seconds every pass play. I get that, but one sack. I, I was a little, I don't know about concerned. I I found it interesting that a guy like Leota Iku Leota played so many snaps in that game. A lot of the veterans were still playing yeah. late, and yet then there were guys. I think Landon King we didn't see. Mm, yeah. uh, you know, who's now a receiver, and uh, who was the other? Camden Brown was barely out there. Uh, it was an interesting game. I, I I get that you want to give these teams a dose of the run, but I don't know. I, I, again, I'm not questioning anything. It was just interesting, I guess. Yeah. Well, I thought that we'd maybe see some more of the younger guys, um, given yeah, that it was 20 nothing, you know, midway through the second quarter. You're not wrong. Um, that's a discussion I've had. <clears throat> I, I, I was on the radio. I actually talked about that. I'm like. That was an interesting development. I mean, I mean, Caden Bridges, I mean, um, Morris Joseph Jr. played uh, six snaps. Hmm. Um, Eugene Asante played five. So, I mean, these are guys that are going to have to be important players in the SEC. But it's also a weird dynamic. You can't just run out there game one and just throw all your backups. Like, it's game one, you know, starters. right. It's sort of this balance of, to me, maybe the San Jose State game is a game where you've got to mix them in, and maybe it's going to be trial by fire. I mean, maybe Penn State's just – it's just going to be – Penn State's going to be that game where you just hope to win it. Uh, and, and you don't worry about perfection. But, yeah, some of the some of the snap counts – I mean, Leota played 57 
mm. of, I think, 67 snaps. He was Auburn's highest-graded defender. He had a really, really good game. Yeah, he, he was good. Um, but he played 57. Derek Hall played 53. Those are the guys that edge position is going to be interesting to watch as the season goes on because the depth Which, is just not there. That, that is concerning, too, what, what Keith brought up about the sack. I mean, just one sack with those guys playing so many snaps, and they threw the ball you know, enough times to – to be able to do that, they created pressure, but they didn't. They didn't get the sacks. And on that note, yeah, I'll credit Mercer a little bit. I mean, y'all watched the game, and Harson mentioned it, and I thought the same thing that they were doing something, quick. whether it was rolling the pocket, yeah. quick throws. Like they yeah. knew there is no chance we're we're sitting back here in a pocket. We're gonna yes. get crushed. And so I'll give them a little credit in terms of having a decent game plan of getting the ball out or or moving the pocket or whatever um, of not l- allowing the sacks. I think Auburn had. 12 hurries. Um, mm-hmm. There were a lot of them. They had some pressures. They just – they only came up with a few sacks. How about this um, one? Zero turnovers for Mercer. And so yeah, we, talked, yeah. we talked about this last week. And, you know, you're going to have games like that. Yeah. And, look, your defensive intensity is not going to be there for Mercer like it will be for an LSU. We know that, right? But uh, Mercer, where did they, how did they get some of their points? Turnovers, right? So how yep. – how is Auburn going to flip the field? I mean, is it going to be a three-and-out dominant defense like we saw from Georgia last year, or is it going to be a bend-that-don't-break defense that you get, the ball turn, you get the ball back at your own 18? You don't give up any points, but you're having to go 80 yards every time. They're going to have to create – and I lean more toward that. They're going to have to – given that scenario, they're going to have to create turnovers. They're going to have to flip some fields, give the, give the offense some short fields. And we just haven't seen that in a few years, quite frankly. No. You know, the only way they're going to do it, a game here or there, but not many. The only way they're going to do it is for that defense to be turned loose, and for guys like Leota, Wooden, Hall, Papo, they're just going to have they're going to have to be really aggressive. I mean, I'm curious to see what Schmetting does. They're going to have to be aggressive, and hopefully force some errors. You can't just rely on the other team. You know, make it. You're going to have to go force some errors and hope for some athletic ability in the back end to make a couple of plays. Um, because you saw right, like. 37 passes, a couple sacks, and, and, and the big deal was there was no – there was very few pass deflections. Pritchett had a few, but there wasn't a lot of contested oh. balls, which is something Brian Harson talked about, and he was not happy about it. He's like, when the ball's in the air, we need to be contesting the ball. And uh, that wasn't happening. And so, to me, it's going to have to be that front four, front seven is going to have to create pressure and, and, and create opportunities for mistakes because that secondary is – they're good enough. They're good enough to take advantage, but they're not going to sit there and lock you down in just an ideal. You know, everybody play base. That's not their strength. So, yeah, I keep. It's going to be a bend but don't break, which is not great yeah. for an Auburn offense that doesn't have an identity and really isn't trying to figure things out. Exactly. They don't need to be going eighty yards. So it's it's it's, it's it's it very much looks like last year's team of it's going to be a grind, which is why somebody like Robbie Ashford is so intriguing because you're like, okay, given everything we hmm. just talked about, turnovers and He's a big play guy. He could fix that. He can go for 50 yards on his on a on his own read if the linebacker whatever they misread it, boom, he's gone. He's so intriguing because Auburn lacks that that pop, I think, on offense. And when you have a defense that's not going to just get turnovers left and right, somebody like Ashford becomes really intriguing to to try to close the gap in not having those that big playability. Hey, l- l- let me uh, l- let me be the devil's advocate on the um, playing the starter so much. Man, those wide receivers, I, no, listen, nobody wants to see Camden Brown more than I do. 
but you got to get those wide receivers in a groove, right? You got to get these. You got to get these guys going. They, they've been they've been practicing for you know nine months, and you're going to get them to the game. And it, to me, I, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with playing these guys, getting them getting them in sync, getting them some PT, getting them broken in for this season. Looking at San Jose State, now you get up the first half, and then you start working some of these younger guys in, get them some PT so that if they're needed against Penn State, if they're needed against Missouri or LSU, they'll have a little bit of game time under the belt. I'm okay with that. Uh, and, and, again, nobody would rather see those. You know, I, I, as the recruiting guys, we, we, we know the younger guys better than we know some of the, some of the older guys, and we want to see what they're going to be able to do. So nobody wants to see the younger guys more than me, but I get it. I, I, I get it. I, I get playing those guys. Um, the edge position, I, I know Derek, uh, was it Eku who had the sack? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. D- D- Derek was, I think he got blocked by one of his own dudes one time. He was going in for the sack. Uh, but, yes, they were getting the ball that quick. They were rolling the pocket. They were getting, as y'all said, the game plan from, uh, from Mercer was good. They knew how good Auburn's edges were going to be. So, uh, but as I've said many times, I got high expectations for this defense. I thought the linebackers, Cam Riley, got to, we got to mention his name. Great day in the morning. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's, he's impressive. He's impressive. Wow, did not expect that from him. I promise you that. Zero did missed not, tackles, by the way. Not just fifteen tackles, but he didn't miss any. I think Justin, going back to Tank, you said something earlier about the 115 yards after contact or whatever it was. Yeah. You think he's going to have that against SEC opponents? They don't know. No. So, uh, but but a lot. Of, I think the schedule says that perfectly for Auburn. You get another guy, uh, another team like San Jose State in this weekend. You're still trying to figure out your identity, which you are just talking about. And then you've got time to uh, to get it for for a decent Penn State team. For all we know, hell. Yeah, yeah. I think people are not that people are looking at that Purdue game, and and they're. I think there's a lot of people looking at that game, and they're trying to take out of that game what they want to take out of that game, which Hell is cool. Yeah. Maybe Penn State's not that good. Purdue's not a bad team. Penn State got it together, won on the road, game one. Like, that, to yeah. me, that's not a bad win at all for, for Penn State. Like, no. Can I get back to something you said, Jeff, about the yeah. playing the starters? And I get that, but I just looked at some numbers. And, you know, Auburn only ran 62 plays in that first game, okay? And I think 10 plays in the fourth quarter. And one of the funny things, and Cole, you're a coach, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bash coaches here. I'm a, you're a former <laughs> coach. These guys practice all year long, nine months, to get to the games. You only play 12 games, 13 if you're lucky. And the minute a team gets a lead, what do they do? They try to shorten the game in the second half, thus limiting snaps for younger guys. And we saw the Malzahn teams do this. They'd be up, you know, 41 to 10, and then they, uh, they would just run six plays in the fourth quarter, just try to get out of there without getting hurt. And it's like these guys practice all year. They'd like to play. You know, they like to play. So 62 plays is not a lot of plays in a game. At 75 plays, which still isn't a ton of plays, so many more guys could get in the game. And, again, this is an indictment on the Auburn staff. This is an indictment against coaches in general. I just always find that amusing that, you know, they practice, practice, practice. It's such a this long, drawn-out process. And I know people that – I know I, I will say this. I know a couple of parents hmm. players – I know a couple of players, uh, parents of players that think spring practice is a total waste of time for, for anybody that's a veteran. So they practice year-round, and they get to a game, and the first thing the coach tries to do is end the game as quickly as possible. And I always get them out. You know, when you just a few more snaps could be invaluable. I mean, did Lee Hunter not play a single snap last year? Did I read somewhere or something like that? Uh, I don't. I don't think he did. Did Marquise Robinson get in the game the other day? Is he healthy? I mean, I I, 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 
couple did times. He? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, and again, it, this isn't, I'm not going after one staff here. This is just staffs in general. You know, why, why not extend the fourth quarter out? Just what's 10 more minutes of, ga- of actual clock time at that point? You know, well, well somebody was up big and still throwing the football. Uh, was it Clemson? Was it Clemson? Yeah. Yeah. What, what, yeah they, they wanted yeah. to see Klubnik. They wanted to see what he was going to do. So they just gave him, you know, the offer. turned him loose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, not, not, they didn't put him in there to hand the ball off 12 times. They put him well, in there to run the offense. That's right. And they didn't yeah. have too many people critical of them because, quite frankly, mo- all four of us could probably turn the channel well before then. You know, most people did. I didn't watch it. Yeah. <laughs> it was bad. It was ugly. Yeah. I, I just happened to leave it on and caught Klubnik in there and thought he looked pretty good when they, but of course it was against. The second team of Georgia Tech, I think. So, oh man, hmm. I, I think Keith. I think. I mean, I see. I see your point. I think what Keith, Keith and Jeffrey both like. It's a balancing act, especially in yeah. game one. I mean, it's I don't, tough. There's not a. There's not a. I mean, I, I can see both both points of view where it's like, well, game one starters need game action. They need to go hit other people, and then mm-hmm. it rains. So the only thing I thought was after the rain delay, I thought. That's a good opportunity, especially after Tank's run. Yeah, I thought from there on out probably should have been backups, and and it and it really wasn't. I mean, she, Shed, Shed was out there at the end of the game. I mean, it, you know, the backups, the, the very maybe the very last drive for Mercer, maybe last two. But so I, I thought maybe after Tank ran that ran that touchdown in after the delay, boom, starters out, backups in, and it kind of was still starters a little bit more. That was probably the only thing that. That surprised yeah. me, but we just got to see. I mean, some of these guys, as Morris Joseph Jr. is going to be incredibly important come SEC play. Never um, saw that coming. And he and he's got six snaps, and, and and so it's just like there's a couple guys that we that we've got to see um, more of. Marcus Bragg we, played. Eleven, Asante played five. There's some of these guys on defense, man. What about Dylan Brooks? He played eleven, uh, I think. Really? Fifteen, yeah. fifteen snaps for Dylan. How many tackles? Uh, he had none. He had one, one, no, I'm sorry, one tackle. One tackle. Hmm. Yep. From Dylan Brooks. And, and Marcus Bragg had one pressure in 11, in 11 snaps. Which he, he looked a little bit quicker than I expected Marcus Bragg on that pressure. I remember that one. He got, he got a good little edge rush there. I wasn't expecting that from him. I was thinking he'd be more of a, a run stopper at the edge, just being how big he is. Justin, are you looking at participation? participation? Yeah, like even Javaris Johnson, right? So Javaris Johnson had six touches in that game, had leading receiver. He only played yep. 15 snaps. Um, what about Joko? Was Joko in? I didn't even see his name. No, I don't. I don't think I saw him at all. Yeah, so guys like him and uh, and him play. Guys like him, Joko Willis, and who's now he's now playing edge, correct? Yes. Okay, so yeah. a guy like him and a guy like Landon King now, those are guys I'm closely watching now. Just just mm-hmm. because I'm fascinated, what's going to happen? The Landon King had so much promise at tight end last year, but they had the they got that big tight end room, and now he's at receiver and, and zero snaps, right, Justin? Yeah, but I've been telling our people because there's there's other people out there that have been hyping Landon King up like. <laughs> Like he's gonna be, you know, and I'm just, and I've been telling our people, like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm he's not. Oh boy, um, Landon King 
is not he's not he's not there. He's not a natural receiver. I love Landon, super awesome kid. He's going to be a situational guy. It's going to be red zone. And if if I were the coaches, I would. I mean, I don't even they they could they could trot him out there against San Jose State. But he's going to be red zone, middle of the field, get him one on one. That's just that's all that's all he's going to be this year. That's all he's going to be. He's okay, not this, going to be is, to play 15 snaps a game. It's not happening. But this is now year two for him. And I had somebody say, why didn't they move him last year? Why didn't they? You know, they had a deep tight end room last year. So what's his? I, I'm just I'm just they, they did they just did it late. I mean, well, I'm, just, like, I'm just kind of spitballing here. I wonder what his mindset is. <clears throat> you know, uh, I can tell you. I mean, it's probably not. Um, it's probably discouraged. Yeah, I mean, because he, he got the move. They're like, Landon, we love your ability, right? We love your height. We're gonna move you to receiver. And 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 and, and he made a he made a catch in fall camp that I think he put out on um, social media. But he went over Keontae Scott on a fade route, just straight up went up over him, mossed him. Um, and you're like, okay, you know, like that's the play. When we talk about Ashford, it's sort of the same thing with somebody like Landon King. Like that's the thing where he's the kind of guy that in the right situation could be one one play. And, and could go up over a corner, could, could be a, could be, you know, his, his, his body type kind of creates that, that opportunity to make one play and you could have a, a significant play. So, so pump the brakes on the Kyle Pitts comparisons. Pump the <laughs> yeah. brakes on Kyle Pitts. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, yeah. you, somebody yeah. made a point here, maybe it was you, Jeff, about the balancing act. It, it is, it does have to be really hard to be a coaching staff. I, I don't think coaches are geniuses. They're just like us, but this is, uh, you know, trying to balance, the be, you know, who are the best players out there at every position, every situation in a game, juggling 85 scholarship players' egos. I mean, there's all, their parents. There's a lot to deal with. I get that. I get that. So they, these aren't like criticisms for me. They're just observations, you know, more, more than anything. Just I wonder what this means. I wonder what, what that guy's thinking, you know, that kind of thing. Not these guys are idiots. What are they doing? I, I don't ever think that because I'm not in there. They know more than I know. Don't sell yourself short, Keith. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a terrific slouch. Don't don't kid yourself. You also have the red shirt rule to keep tabs of as well with the four games. Something one staff couldn't do very well. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that's right. But, you know, these guys don't – they don't want to be somewhere – most of them don't want to be there five years if they're not – I mean, they want to be – if I'm going to be somewhere five years, that fifth year I'm going to be a star, you know. Uh, Keandre Jones. I'm I'm curious what you know. That's a guy that uh, well, didn't he make some some preseason All SEC lists or something like that? I mean, I don't know. He was he made was, some lists of guys that could leave after this year for the NFL. Yeah. Okay. There yeah, you go. One hundred percent. Yeah. Now it's just he's a guy who could leave after this year. Yeah. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. it's not the, the season's still got plenty to go, but I mean, did he? How many snaps did he play, Justin? Who are you talking about? DeAndre Jones. Um, like, like one drop. He played. Uh, where is he? Thirty. Okay. No, he played more okay. than that. Yeah, he played. No, he, played he, was, 30. he was in there a good bit. I mean, him and Cameron Stutz. I mean, there's not a huge difference there. Stutz, Stutz is the starter, but you know, Jones is a good player too. So those guys are gonna. The offensive line looked like it had a pretty good. You had a pretty good mix. I mean, you had your main guys play, but you had. Uh, Keandre Jones with 30 was kind of the next guy. Um, you mean backup tackles play? Brendan Coffey played 10 snaps at left tackle. Um, Alec Jackson played nine snaps at right tackle. 
Now, see, that's something we can understand, right? You're talking yeah, about that. I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Troxel and Zaire played about 54. Tay Johnson, 54. Jaleel Irvin played 12. So that second kind of group probably got, you know, 10 to 15 snaps. Yeah. That's about right. Yeah, which is which is good. But it's just – I want to see what Camden Brown does this second week because he's behind Shed Jackson. And like I said, Shed Jackson's in there at the end of the game. It makes no sense really. Um and we hear all this stuff about Camden Brown, and so I'm just I'm just curious: Does Camden Brown, how much of the offense does he know? Is he just is he is he a guy that's going to be put in there sort of situationally to create big plays in the pass game, or does he know enough of the offense to be up to be to get more playing time? Period. Because um, Shed's just really valuable. I mean, Shed is really really valuable, especially blocking on the perimeter. Oh and yeah. So, um, I'm just curious where Camden's opportunities are going to come to pull somebody like Shed out of the game uh, and put Camden Brown in. It almost seems like if you're going to do that, you probably should look Camden Brown's way or have an opportunity to target him. Um, and so I'm just I bet he, he's going to be one to watch. I think on how do you get him involved in the red zone or middle of the field? How do you how do you you know can he run some slants as a big target? Like how do you get him more involved because Shed basically, I mean, played 50 snaps, um, and he, he barely came off the. I mean, just barely came off the field. But it also, you know, as a receiver, you're in there busting your ass blocking, uh, and, and then it's passing downs, and you're getting taken out, you know, for the for, for the big wide receiver to come in and get the catches. <laughs> what, what what did Shed said the other day? His quote was like, "You don't block, you don't get the rock, or something like that." Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I, I'm okay. I, that's good. That's I understand that. I would hate for Shed to to block, 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 and then on third and long, him get pulled out. Yeah, yeah, and he's a valuable guy. I mean, he'll be he'll be I, Camden. I think will be. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what they do with him this week. Um, maybe he's but, maybe he's a red zone fifty-fifty guy. That's kind of what it seems like. I mean, because um, Capers, so Capers is behind Brown. They're both behind Shed. Capers only played, I think, four snaps. So you're talking about nine combined snaps for the guys behind Shed and fifty for Shed. Well, and they may be thinking, you know, a, a really competitive practice is going to be a much harder workout than playing Mercer, right? Yeah. And they may be yeah. saying, they may be saying, hey, they may get to Penn State with Penn State not even knowing Cameron Brown exists. Mm. And yeah. sometimes, occasionally, you'll see a game where a guy that's done nothing up to that point all season, literally nothing, no catches, no rush attempts, no anything, will have seven catches in a game. And I'm not saying that's even remotely possible, but you know, who knows? Who knows what they got up their sleeves? I mean, we, hey, they had that trick play the other night we hadn't seen before, so. Who knows yeah. what the heck else they got coming? I, I think I saw it on NCAA Football 14 once. Mm. <laughs> Were you all surprised that Owen Papo only had three tackles? A little bit. Yeah, I thought. I mean, I thought he would be more in the Cam Riley. Um, How many snaps, yeah. Justin? Forty-nine. Oh, yeah. Just knocking Man. the rust off, maybe. But Cam, Cam seemed like the only linebacker on the field. I mean, that guy was everywhere. This is when I wish Keith had his camera on. <laughs> because 
I'd like to see his face right now. Hold on a second. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, uh, uh, there you go. Yeah, there you go. I'm, I'm leaning on the Hey, dude, never mind, dude. Cut it. that shit off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's off. I'm out. Niebuhr, out. Well, here's the deal with Owen, man. I um, Owen's a fantastic person. He's probably a, he's a great athlete. He's a great leader for the defense. I don't expect him to have five-star results. I I, I – I, I, qu- I quit expecting that about two years ago. Um, what Keith, the, the reason I said that is because I think we might be in agreement here. I, I'm not expecting five-star results, five-star st- stats from Owen. Yeah, I, I, well, I think, you know, in the NFL, and Cole, this is where your football knowledge will help us. It, do you think he's playing this position, or is he playing more of like a nickel star in the NFL? Nope. I was I was going to say that. I don't think. I think that Cam Riley is playing the wheel, which means he's got a better chance to get out in space and make these plays. And then Owen Papo is at the mic. He's in the middle, which is out of position, in my opinion, for the, for him because I think he lacks physicality, you know, at, at, at times. I think he's an incredible athlete, and he's somebody that needs to be roaming the field and on blitzes. And used in special ways like that, not just hey, he's the middle linebacker, he needs to make all these stops in the middle here. Uh, and evidently, Cam Riley's not that guy either, even though he's so big. I don't think he's overly physical either. I think he's just pretty good at getting around the field. So uh, I don't think he's in the right. I think he's going to be fine there. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think he's in the act the best fit for his skill set. And that was always the question, even when Owen was in high school and Jeff, you and I covered his recruitment. It was, you know, where is he going to play? How much is he going to grow? You remember at first he came into Auburn kind of thin, then they put a bunch of weight on him. Was he going to lose his, lose his speed? Is he going to lose his flexibility, all that stuff? And, you know, they've, they've always tried to figure out what he is, and it's been difficult. But I believe that I've talked to some people, and my memory's right, that mentioned that he probably would play a little further back in the NFL. And, um, I mean, yeah, he got some pretty decent grades from NFL teams, de- decent draft grades, but not enough good ones to leave a year early. They wanted, you know, uh, he was advised, hey, you need to get some more film. Let's let's see what you can do. So, um, but I'm curious, you know, what he's going to be a guy that at the combine just wows everybody again. They're going to act like yeah. they've never seen a guy test like this before. Right. He's like test- an absolute All-American. Yeah, even though his test results have been known for, for five years now. Um, yeah. But again, and that's going to be the challenge at the next level too. Freak athlete, but where do we? What? What is he? They're going to have to figure yeah. that out. They're going to have to where does he fit? And that's what they get paid a lot of money to do too. Quite frankly, so um, we'll see. In college, you don't always have that luxury. You know, you got to recruit. You got to. You, know, you might not have depth here. You got it there. So let's put this guy where we don't have guys. I mean, you know, there's a lot of that involved too. So, um, and then the game's different. You know, they're going to the game's a little yeah. different. So that that. That means, uh, you know, where you play a guy changes too. So, I don't know, Cole, uh, Cole, nickel or star, what what exactly is he in the NFL? I don't know. Uh, Can he play the nickel? Well, you know, the NFL uses the term slot corner more than they use nickel. So, a lot of teams that use a nickel in the NFL is is more of a like a linebacker type. Um, They have both. They have different types of guys for those situations. And, yeah, I think he fits the, the nickel linebacker hybrid um, with your safety there. I think he can do that pretty well. Especially, okay, here, 
if he drops a little bit of weight too, does that still fast? You know, he's in the four four range or whatever he is. I mean, he's that should be fine. We had ninety three tackles hit in twenty twenty, and so I just I guess okay. I just thought a more healthy Papa. I thought I figured he'd come back this year and and you know be the seventy five plus tackles, but he's only you know three and three in the opener, and he if he's credited with a missed tackle by the way. So just I think he a, would if. It, if he was playing the wheel linebacker, where Cam Riley's yeah. playing, I think he would. Was that where he was in 2020, or was he – that was Gus's last year, right? It, the defensive alignment was a little bit different, but, yeah, he was more of an outside linebacker, I think. Here's my, here's my take on Owen. And, 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 listen, I could be so wrong. He is a phenomenal athlete, right? But is he a phenomenal football player? I don't know. Well, it's kind of the same question about Tank. You know, phenomenal athlete is a phenomenal running back. Yeah. That kind of thing. doesn't mean you can't be good. It just means, you know, you, you might have these mistakes at times that, that maybe don't make sense for somebody of that athletic caliber, you know. Yeah, that'll be uh, <clears throat> interesting to watch, I guess. I mean, I, that was just a little surprising, I guess, three. I just I, – I, I thought Papo was going to be uh, – you know, a stud and Cam Riley was like everywhere. And it was like, I don't know, Papo almost felt like he was the guy that was taking up the blocks and Riley was the one that was yeah. the one making the tackles. Um, yeah. See, that's the part I don't know. Yeah. It, it was he, was he creating the opportunities for Cam Riley to have 15 tackles? I don't know. I have that, no idea. See, that's where, yeah. I mean, that kind of stuff goes on and, and people don't, you don't see mm-hmm. it. You don't see it, you know, happening. Coaches see that. Jeff Schmetting sees that. Uh, Chris Robinson sees that, but, you know, you you think about Zacoby McLean and the way he did things, and and he was a really good football player. Didn't have the athleticism of Owen Papo, not not even close. Didn't get drafted because of that. But as far as playing between the tackles, he knew where it was going. He could diagnose it, and he was going to hit somebody in the mouth. That included the offensive line. <laughs> so, just a different style, totally different style. Well, and you know what? That says a lot about recruiting, right? Because which one of those two's which one of those two guys was rated higher by every service? The guy that <laughs> yeah. tested the best. Yeah. Which guy had the biggest offers? The guy that tested the best. Which guy's been the better player? The guy that basically came down to I think Auburn and FSU, maybe. I don't even know how hard FSU recruited Jacoby, quite frankly. And that's not yeah. a knock against Owen. That's just coaching these days and, and I've actually talked to Patrick Nix about this before. They have such a belief in their own abilities. They feel like if you give me a guy that's got the body I want and the athleticism I want, I will make him a player. I will mm-hmm. make him a player. And, and what we've seen is we've seen a lot of disastrous quarterback signings in the last couple of decades because of that. Patrick Nix, does anybody sign him in the SEC these days with his skill set? And, and, and Patrick and I came up with the perfect example of a guy that was a great, great player, but probably no SEC school would sign him, and that's Danny Werfel, right? With that funky throwing motion, you're talking about arguably a top three quarterback in SEC history. Won the Heisman once, maybe should have won it twice. All right. Probably doesn't get signed by an SEC school outside of maybe Vanderbilt now. And so, again, Jacoby McLean, you're right. Didn't he run a 4-9 in testing leading up uh, to the draft? He didn't play like he ran a 4-9, though, I'll tell you that. No, I think it was like a – it was a little bit better than that. But, yeah, definitely not good enough to play linebacker in the NFL – is what they considered the NFL teams. So not the athleticism of Owen Papo, but sure knows how to play middle linebacker. I mean, I mean Owen is a good, solid player, isn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think he's yeah. going to be fine. 
I'm with Justin. Uh, I'm surprised too that his tackle total was so low with with 49 snaps or 50 snaps. I thought it'd be more. And I think it will be more as the season goes on. But again, he, maybe he's doing those things. I have to look closer at it, but maybe he's doing those things to allow Cam Riley to make those tackles, and that's his role now. You know, being the middle linebacker guy. So well, we, know, we know that the Arkansas's and Georgias and LSU's are going to run the ball, right? Between the tackles, where yeah. maybe Mercer didn't. Yeah. Texas A&M. Texas A&M better run the ball. I don't think I don't think they're capable. Yeah, of right. right now. They need to. Yeah. Yeah, they don't have Zach Calzada now. <laughs> I couldn't say that with a straight face. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, but, you know, again, that's a, something we talked about last week, and Justin had some unbelievable insight on why Zach left. And But Haynes King won that job for the second straight year, and he has yet to really look like an SEC quarterback out there. Mm. Yeah, he didn't look awesome. <laughs> oh, but Jim Bowen is quarterbacks. He begs the question about Zach Calzada. He lost to him, too. And last year, you go, man, does he just not have it in practice? He just doesn't right. Doesn't do it in practice. Is he a gamer? <laughs> well, you gotta, be, you gotta win you, in practice to get I'll, the gamer. I'll tell you what else it does. It tells you Haynes King, he, he's an average passer, but what can he do? He can run the ball. Sound familiar? Yep. <laughs> he brings that out of dimension, and maybe that was the difference. Good point. Maybe that's why he won the job. Gus loved oh. Haynes King. Let's take one more game. If, if 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 the quarterbacks go out against San Jose State and 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 have just kind of another eh, game, then I mean the longer they do that, the more Zach's in the in the equation. But it's got to happen. It's got to happen quick if you're Zach. I mean you got yeah, Penn State coming up. So, so if I th- I think I would guess that you got this week of practice, you got San Jose State game, probably the next week of practice, and if things in that time span nobody's taking control, then then I think Zach hangs around and becomes in the picture and and we'll see. But if I, I you know, I think they're gonna give him another maybe couple of weeks, Finley and, and Ashford to figure their shit out, if you will. Um That'd be a great and, headline, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think I think so. Two weeks to figure shit out. Um <laughs> and then uh we'll see. But you know, it's just there's only so long if you're Zach, there's only so long that you can I mean, he comes over to Auburn. There's only so long, I think, that he can mentally stay in it and not get playing time. Don't get playing time against San Jose State. Don't get playing time against Penn State. Now you're into the SEC. Like, at what point do you go, okay, well, I'm, I'm not the guy. So am I just going to sit back here for – just sit back here in third string the whole season, or do I just call it, go get another surgery on my shoulder and, and pick a spot, pick somewhere where I know I'm, I can play college football? Like that decision is going to have to come with them. And then when that happens, you know, Auburn, it just, it puts Auburn, you talk about margin of error. If, if Zach leaves, margin of error goes to, you know, pretty much nothing with, with Finley and Ashford. But, yeah. you know, of the three quarterbacks, the, the, the top three, one of those guys has actually won a pretty big game before. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? And unfortunately, it just happens to be the guy that's the third stringer right now. The worst guy in practice. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, man, which goes uh, back to Harson's mindset. It's what I've always talked about. Like he is so, I mean, it, it, it you know, it, it matters. He values so much about the operational stuff and just just doing the little things, oh, and, yeah. and that and it shows. And and I get it. I get it. You know, why should Zach start if if he wasn't doing the little things right, or if he didn't feel like he watched film as much as the other guys? Like, why should he? 
Yeah. I understand he it, should. but yeah, I agree. Uh, he shouldn't. He shouldn't do that. It's the guy that wins it in practice. That's how it has to be. But I also wonder what practice. I also wonder is Zach where he's at. I mean, didn't go through spring. Uh, you know, probably felt a lot of pressure coming into fall camp to win the job. Probably was overconfident. Wonder where he's at right now in terms of settling into the offense and throwing the football in practice. And you know, is it too late or is he? Is he? I wonder. If, I mean, if he were to settle into things this week or next week, and they go, okay, this he's kind of looking more like. In the limited reps he gets, he's looking more like what he, we thought he was going to look like. Now, now what? And the quarterbacks over here, Finley and Ashford, are kind of fiddling around, and it's sort of so-so. I don't know. I just, I just, I think it's going to be interesting. If if Zach were to actually stick it out all year, I, I think there'd be a decent chance he'd get opportunities. But I, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I think it's, I think it's, yeah. I just don't know. There's a there's a great line in that movie Moneyball where where uh, Brad Pitt's talking to the scout and the scout says I've got 30 years experience and Brad Pitt says, well you don't know you don't know doesn't matter how much knowledge you have you don't know and so I, I bring that up because Brian Harson has forgotten more about the quarterback position as a coach than any of us will ever know okay yeah bright bright guy but when you're dealing with three guys and one hasn't really just clearly been way above everybody else. You know, it's it's got to be difficult. Again, we've talked about Dan Mullen before. He thought one guy was the better guy, played that guy for a couple of years. That guy gets hurt. The other guy goes out there and almost wins the Heisman Trophy. I mean, how yeah. could a guy that smart be that wrong? It happens, especially at the quarterback position. Go so in that, respect, in that respect, at some point, do you just say – now, the, the Auburn offense could start really clicking this week with either Robbie or TJ. We don't know. But if it doesn't, let's say for argument's sake, at what point do you say, all right, we got to at least try this other guy? We got to see if he if he catches lightning in the bottle during the game. Maybe he doesn't do it as much in practice, but maybe he's just a different guy during the games. And and will it get to that point? I don't know. Uh, and if it does, do you make that decision? Not? That's tough being a head coach, man. I mean, you know, yeah, head yeah. coach also that's a quarterback guy. So yeah, you know, these this is that's why they get paid all this money because these are incredibly difficult. It's an incredibly precise and difficult process to evaluate these guys no question about it they know that too they think they're right they're hoping they're right more than anything else though well, what's funny is what's funny is we talk about that and we talk about harson valuing it which he does but then i can also recall <clears throat> harson talking about hey we we won't really know anything until these guys get hit in the mouth so there's this there's this, there's an element of harson that's like you got to do all these procedural things correctly in practice and then there's another part of him that's over here saying we won't really know until somebody's uh, Owen Papo's blitzing you and about to you know knock your head off if you stand in there and make the throw or not. Well, okay, well then that speaks to I I, mean, I won't know until the guy's in the game, which yeah. could be more of Zach Calzada. Like so, to me, Harson's sort of saying two different things on how to determine who's the right quarterback or not, and if, if part of it is game game situations and the battle then, you know, are you going to give Zach Calzada a shot or not to do that? Well, it kind of – you don't know what somebody's going to do when they're backed up against the wall. And if Harson ends up being in a situation where he thinks his job is really in jeopardy, um, maybe he does throw the guy out there. <laughs> like, he I really feels – I mean, maybe he does throw the guy out there like Zach Calzada, who he's seen win big games before, even though he's not a great practice guy. And it's kind of the same reason that Kurt Warner was 
stocking shelves, you know, before he somebody took a chance on him in the NFL because he he said it himself. I was I sucked at practice. I just didn't show anybody anything to make them put me in the game. When I was in the game, I was awesome. Bottom line, <laughs> that happens sometimes. It's not the first time. I'm not saying it would happen. It's just that's a you know something that could happen. Yeah. You never know what a guy's got between got in their heart and in their soul and in their lungs when they have to breathe and all that stuff, their brain, you know, how do they react to game situations and playing in front of all those people? Some guys are actually better at that. Some guys are just better at that than when nobody's out there watching. It's incredible. It really is. And then also the great players, what do they do? They play better against the great teams. They all do. All elevate. All right. So what are you looking for against San Jose State? Um, I, I think I think we would all agree we're looking for a few a few of those guys we didn't see much of. We want to see maybe a little bit more of um, quarterbacks. Obviously, we're, there are certain things we want to see, but but anything stand out specifically with a player, a scheme, um, defensively, offensively. What, what do you want to see against San Jose State? Come out and go. Okay, I think Auburn's on the right trajectory heading into or they're not. Hmm. Well, I'll start it off then. I, I want to see a dominant defensive front. Yeah. Period. What does that mean? And that, and that means stuffing runs. That means getting after the quarterback. And that means creating situations that allow you to cause turnovers. You're not always yeah. going to get the turnover. But really disruption up front. Disruption up front. That's what I want to see. That's what I need to see. Yeah, that's fair. Rico will have it. Yeah, I'm still stuck on on keep talking about the one sack, and I know that Mercer was, you know, throwing the quick game and trying to not uh, trying to keep pressure off of the quarterback. But San Jose State, um, their quarterback was sacked seven times from Portland right. State. Mm-hmm. I think I think Auburn's got a they've got to find a way to get the quarterback on the ground, and they I want some turnovers. That's I, I just want to see some turnovers. You know? That that was my. That was exactly where I was going, Cole. I want to see zero turnovers on offense, and I want to see at least one yes. on defense. I want to see Auburn win the turnover battle. That's what I want to see. And, and I zero Keith, turnovers from the offense is what I want to see. I, I agree with Keith too. I, I didn't see a dominant performance from that front last week. <laughs> Thanks, Cole. <laughs> and damn dogs, dude. Yapping. Are those your dogs, Cole? They're, yeah, they're. Uh, I'm at my mom's house right now. She's helping me with with my boy Coleman. So Cole's got these little yappy telling, dogs. Cole's basically telling us he wants to see who lets the dogs out this weekend. <laughs> that's, <laughs> it. that's it. Yeah, oh, they okay. they weren't disruptive. They dominate. I mean, you know, they control things, but there wasn't. Um, and again, like, what was it scheming? Was he just like, look, go out there, we're gonna play base, execute game one. We're not going to show a lot of blitzes. We're not going to show a lot of pressures. We're not going to do a lot of that. But uh, Hall and Leota, I mean, you want to see a little bit more. I thought Hall had a sack in that game. I guess they didn't credit him with a sack. I thought he had a play in the open field and broke down um, on the quarterback that I guess maybe they counted it for a tackle for loss. But to me, it was a sack. Did he not do his? Yeah, he did. He did. He did. It, was a play. It, was out, it was out in the flats kind of or, it was a tackle for loss, I think they gave him. But I mean, the quarterback Why is was rolling he not out getting there flagged for that. Why is he not getting flagged for that? Because <laughs> it's not horns down. Because it's so awesome. 
Corns down is the only thing you. I'm not saying it's not awesome. This is kind of why it doesn't. I don't know why it doesn't. I don't want to get that. There's there's some celebrations to me that drive me freaking crazy. Um, There's nothing worse than like first quarter, first drive. You knock a guy out of bounds, and you're just talking match. Like, dude, you have the entire football game to go. Like, you knock the guy out of bounds. I don't know. Some of the stuff. I, I can't stand it when somebody celebrates when they're losing. I, that mm. is the worst thing ever to me. I cannot stand it, and it happens in every game. It seems. I miss like. the old. I miss those old Miami Hurricane teams from the 1980s before you were born, Cole. Every play, <laughs> Randall Hill would catch a pass and get up and throw his arms up in the. I mean, it was yeah. fun. It was fun, but it was new then. Everybody wasn't doing it. They were the only ones yeah. doing it. Right. Miami was like that. Was like Terrell Owens every play. Well, there was, there was a, a Rose Bowl where I think it was Randall Hill as well, caught a pass, touchdown pass against Texas. They destroyed Texas in the Cotton Bowl, catches the pass, runs into the end zone, keeps running, scores a touchdown, and leaves the stadium, basically. Okay, I, that was his celebration. And, uh, yeah, that was fun. Um, I think I'm with you guys. I mean, I think, I think turnovers, I think you want to see a clean game. You want to see no turnovers on offense. Um, for sure. That's where you got to start. Obviously, you want to see something from Finley or Ashford. You just want to see yeah. something that shows that they can operate the whole thing. Um, you know, whether it's Finley going in there and maybe Finley gets 20 passes and completes 16 of them. I don't know. And no turnovers. But um, you got to see something from one of those guys that's growth and not just kind of another game of, well, okay. I mean, Ashford didn't really show much passing and Finley, you know, didn't, I mean, it was, it was okay. And you're just thinking, you start thinking ahead to Penn State and Georgia and Arkansas and A&M and Alabama and Mississippi State. And, like, you're, you're, you're wondering where in the world the scoring is going to come from to win some of these games. So I think I'm looking for no turnovers, and I think I'm looking for something on offense that starts to look like a group that's capable of, of uh, consistent big plays. Like, hey, they're operating at a pretty high level. I don't know. Maybe we won't see that against San Jose State. Maybe we'll have to show itself against Penn State. But something, because right now it's a even. Even if the quarterback situation gets kind of figured out, it's still a, it's still a fair, fairly pedestrian offense. I mean, it's you yeah. know, I mean, Mississippi State at Starville, they're going to outscore you. Ole Miss, like you, you gotta you gotta show the ability to go score thirty on the road in the, in the league. Yeah. And I don't I don't see anything from the offense yet that can do that. It's going to start with quarterback play. What, what, do y'all, what do y'all think is more important for the San Jose State game? No turnovers on offense or turnovers yes. on defense, creating turnovers on defense? None on offense, no doubt. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. I'll say turnovers on defense. I, I don't mind if you turn it over on offense if you're because they're going to blow this team away, you would think. I want to see I want to see him uh, take chance. I mean, you, know, you can drop the ball here or there, whatever, but I think it's more important that they develop this mindset on defense that, hey, we're going to go get the ball, okay? We're going to shorten the field. Now, San Jose State actually had like 70 yards less last week than Portland State. 49 49 yards rushing on 29 carries against Portland State. Now, you better dominate those guys, and you better force some turnovers. Yep. And get that mindset right going into the Penn State game. Here's what I think about this Auburn team on offense. Against SEC quality opponents, you might win without turning the ball over, 
I don't think you're going to win turning the ball over. I think it's more important to this team and this offense, especially going into SEC play. This team, this offense cannot afford to turn the ball over. Uh, to me, that's that's the biggest thing. That's that, that's that's the only thing I ask from T.J. Finley and Robbie Asher, and yeah. the running backs too. Just don't turn the damn ball over. You got a chance to win. Yep. Yeah, that's an interesting question. If you had if you had a game in the SEC and it was your defense forced no turnovers, but you didn't turn it over, or your defense forced two and your and your offense turned it over two, what do you take? <sighs> Well, what happened against Mercer? They don't score if Auburn doesn't turn the ball over. Well, right. they scored off of both of those turnovers yeah. too, by the way. TJ Finley threw an interception. Yeah, and the other one was off the punt, the the punt, the, the ridiculous rough in the passer punt that they oh, yeah. put Crazy. together, like a 17 yard play, 60 yard drive, and it was. But yes, they don't score without the turnovers. I hate turnovers. Yeah, no doubt. They're bad. That was They're a- bad. Yeah, I think I think Brian Harson said they weren't ideal. I was like, well, that's a kind way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. How about that? Right, you know what? You're, you, we all make good points because the truth is, if you're right, Jeff, if they had an explosive offense, then a turnover here or there right. wouldn't kill you. But they don't. Absolutely, they don't. They have limited possessions. They've got to make the most of them. So they I, have I limited potential and limit. They have a ceiling in scoring. Yes. Yeah, definitely get that side of the argument. I just think about Auburn basketball right now. That's all I think about right now. Um. I mean, they play a style that, like, they can overcome some sloppiness. That's right. Um, because they're, they're, you know, they're explosive enough to do so. and um, They can overcome they can some, some, some stupid stuff. Um, yeah, this Auburn offense, they can't, they can't waste any, any opportunities to do so. So, yeah, I think you want to see a, a clean game, good decision-making. I just want to see a little bit. I just want to see something from the passing game. I got to see some throws being made some decisions being made, some routes being run. I've got to see something from that passing game that shows me that against good SEC competition, they can move the ball through the air. Like, it's just, you can't, you're not, it's not going to be run the ball with tank, drop back, and throw an out route. I mean, i got to see, I saw too much of that with Gus when things would go bad, and it was the most basic passing tree. I've got to see something beyond that, some, some, some advanced route running and some advanced throws being made, because – if they go into SEC schedule, everybody knows Tank. You're going, you're going to focus on Tank. Go, I'll, I'll put eight in the box. Good luck with TJ Finley and whoever. You better show me something. Hell yes. So that they, they have got to do something in the passing game that makes people go, okay, that guy can go deep or he's got the arm strength or, hey, this, this dude's a problem or something. I, completely I don't know what it looks like. I don't know exactly what it looks like, but, I mean, I think we'll know it when you see it. We're like, okay, that was a special throw. Or okay, that was a that was an advanced route right there from Shed or whoever it might be. That was a, you know, that was a really good good route right there. That even against SEC competition, that that probably creates separation. Because that's something I heard a lot of back even going into fall camp. I heard that there was not a lot of like in some of these scrimmages, the receivers were not creating a lot of separation. So you're trying to judge these quarterbacks, and you got receivers that are not going out there and, you know, being elite playmakers like they like they need to be or somebody needs to be. So that's still a big concern, though. Other than that, I'm really optimistic. I think uh, <laughs> I think everything's on track. That's well, okay. To, uh, Look, we gotta we gotta say what, what's on our minds. I mean, that's I mean, and, and I'm, the fans are thinking the same things we are. You know, you got your you got your group that's going to be optimistic no matter what, even when the sky's falling. 
then you got your group of people that are going to act like the sky's falling no matter what, too. The opposite end of that. And the reality is always probably somewhere in the middle. And there are some serious concerns. There's no question about it. doesn't mean they can't be addressed and fixed and, uh, and, and guys get better. But you want to see it before you believe it. It's a big it's also, easier to be, it's also easier to be critical after Mercer. Of if, course. If, if they go out there and play, what, if, they beat, if they beat Penn State, you're not as critical. You're like, hey, but that's better competition. It's a different, it's a different situation, and, 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 and you're more positive about what you saw because you won the game and the competition. Against Mercer, when you have one sack, you're like, that's terrible. Uh, if you go out there and have a sack or two against Penn State, you're probably like, okay, it's probably fine. Um, and so it's just it's, – it's also the, the competition changes the perspective on how harshly – we critique these players and, and how harshly we view them, I think. Um, yeah, well, yeah you're not going to – Mercer doesn't have the bodies that these other teams have that they're going to play. And they don't – but also on the flip side of that is, as you're thinking, oh, well, they should dominate then. Well, the flip side is you know, you're just mentally not – you know, you're mentally not as sharp as you would be for for Arkansas or Georgia or whatever as you would be for, for – uh, Mercer, it doesn't matter if you haven't hit people for months and months and months. That's what coach is saying. That's not the reality, you know. Um, hey, before we get out of here, recruiting-wise, what's, what's going on this weekend? If anything, football, basketball, just kind of fill people in. Is, it, is everything still building up to Penn State, or what's on tap for San Jose State? Not a lot. Uh, probably be a little uh, drop-off from last weekend when you had two five-stars, a couple of four-stars show up. Uh, not saying that can't happen again this Saturday, but as of right now, not expected. Um, big, you got two big official visitors coming in. You got four-star wide, res- wide receiver Adam Hopkins coming in from South Georgia. You've got Jamarian Harkless, three-star defensive tackle, coming in from Kentucky. Both of those guys, I think, could be on the commitment list sooner than later. So, in that regard, it's a huge weekend for Auburn. Harkless will be making his first visit to Auburn. Hopkins will be making his first visit to Auburn. I have Auburn, I think Keith does too, probably Cole does too. Auburn the front runner for both of those guys right now. Even after Harkless visited Ole Miss last weekend, I still think Auburn looks to be in a good spot with him. He grew up a big Auburn fan, a uh, big Cam Newton fan, so he's really looking forward to this visit. I'll have something on him here shortly. Uh, but those two guys, all eyes will be on that. <clears throat> hey, Cole, what you got there? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, we just dropped on the YouTube channel uh, – my interview with Keldrick Falk the other oh. day, um, the four-star Florida State Edge commit, and he, you know, opened up a little about that and, and that Auburn is coming on a little bit. So, um, interesting. Make sure you check that out on our YouTube channel. And, and while we're at it, man, y'all go to that YouTube channel and subscribe and like it because we're cranking out interviews and, and videos on the daily. I love the notification feature Click that notification. Anytime a new video is uploaded, it comes straight to your phone or your or your desktop. You know ex- exactly when. It's all free content, man. All free content. Really love it. Go subscribe. Auburn Live on 3 YouTube page. Yep. Let's do, let's do some scores. Yeah. Predictions. Well, Keith, you can go first since, you, since Keith somehow yeah. man. predicted 16 points for Mercer. Um, yeah. We were all really, we were all pretty much right there, by the way. I mean, really, I think within a few points, everybody, but I'll give Keith credit. I don't know how he predicted 16 uh, against Mercer. So why don't you do it again? Uh, yeah, I'm going to say Nail San Jose State and show me that you're for real. Yeah, I think Auburn's still, you know, um, going to score some points. I think that's going to happen. 
but maybe some field goals. I'm going to say 38 to 13. In Are that. you serious? Was that yours? <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, I'll, I'll do you one better. 38-12. I'm going to say that San Jose State goes for two at some point, misses. 38-12, okay? Oh, but yeah, I four, look, four field goals. And, I, and I, I don't like that San Jose State offense. I haven't even seen them play. I just looked at their numbers against Portland State, and I grew very, very concerned for them. Yeah, um, they're but, not uh, but I still think as Auburn's kind of working through these, you know, figuring out who the quarterback is, figuring out the five main offensive linemen, all that stuff, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's one short field scenario for San Jose State that, that allows them to get a cheap touchdown. You, you always see that in games like this. So 38-12, we'll say. You, go, you can have 13. I'll go 38-10. Okay. 38-13 then. 38-10 for me. Even though that was – put an asterisk beside mine. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm going 40-7. Um, to seven. I just don't – I don't see them scoring more than one touchdown. Although, I will say – their quarterback is pretty legit. Shevin Cordero is his name. Transfer from Hawaii. Had over 3,000 yards passing, over 1,000 yards rushing in his Hawaii career. And even though he got sacked seven times, he did have all of their rushing touchdowns against Portland State. So he's somebody that, that could cause a little bit of trouble, but uh, I think they get in the end zone once, 40-7. to That's my prediction. Hmm. Hmm. So we're all kind of in that same 40-ish to 10-ish type of uh, yeah. type of game. Um, I'll go um, – Carlson's got to get some field goals. He didn't have any field goals. Um, he didn't have any attempts. Um, let's say – you know what? I'll go – I think Auburn hits 45. I think 45 to 10, Auburn. Hmm. I think that was my, I think that was my number eight. They open the offense up a little bit. Uh, I think Finley will play better. Uh, Ashford's in there a little bit more. I, just, I think there'll be a little bit more from the offense. No rain the last yeah. quarter. So I, I Oh, shit, it's going to rain, dude. It could it could rain again. It's going to rain. Think, it's not going to rain. It could rain again. It's supposed <laughs> to rain. Well, and that, that doesn't help a team that uh, – well, that yeah, usually that rain helps way, the passing yeah. team, right? Isn't that what they say? 38 to 10, baby. <laughs> well, so if it rains again, oh, just my I guess. Legs asleep. Man, um, that was that was that sucks. By the way, um, I could I could do without another hour and a half rain. Oh yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, I don't know. I'll stick with it. Forty-five ten Auburn. Okay. We'll see how it goes. Um. All right. Let's get out of here. All right. Let's do it. Sound good? All right. Appreciate everybody joining us. AuburnLive.com. Go subscribe. Free seven-day trial. YouTube channel. Go subscribe to the Auburn Live YouTube channel. All free videos there. Uh, and we'll catch you on the uh, website on the corner. See ya. Bye.